0: Welcome to the Countryside Kitchen Meets, a food and farming podcast. I'm Millie Fife, your host. I'm a mum of two, farmer's wife, food producer, and passionate about flying the flag for British food and farming. Today, we'll be chatting to Kenyan pig farmer Flavian Obiero, who loves to cook when he's not looking after his livestock. Then, I've got a few time saving hacks when it comes to mealtime preparation. I Meaning you can juggle family life with the children and cook a tasty, nutritious meal too. Okay, so let's introduce you to my guest. Flavian Obiero works on a mixed farm in Hampshire with pigs, sheep, beef, arable, and a farm shop too. He manages 130 sows from farrow to finish. The piglets are born outside and stay outdoors until they're 30 kilograms and then moved indoors. And the pigs are RSPCA Freedom Foods accredited. Flavian came into farming almost by accident. Having moved to the UK at 15 from Kenya, he planned to go to university to study veterinary medicine. But after not achieving the grades required, he took a year out of his A-levels to work hard before off to study a degree in animal management. After completing a week's placement on a farm, he was offered a job there and ended up working there for his gap year. And he hasn't looked back since. Um, he takes enormous job satisfaction from looking after his animals and uh, working outdoors, the lifestyle and access to locally produced traceable fresh meat and his favourite things about farming. When he's not busy on the farm, Flavian loves to cook. And this is how we have come to connect through our love of food and farming. Flavian, welcome. Hello.
1: Hello. Thank you so that's not a bad uh, introduction, there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> how are you?
1: Yeah, I'm pretty good, thank you. A bit cold. How are you?
0: <laughs> I'm all right, thank you. Uh, how 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 does the UK temperatures compare to uh, the Kenyan climate?
1: Oh, they don't compare. Um, <laughs> but I love farming. But the what the one thing I don't like is the is it cold and winter. And you'd think after being here for fifteen years and farming for twelve of them. I'd be quite used to it and I'm still not. Every winter I think I'm ready and I struggle every winter. So <laughs> I think it's something i will have to get used to. <laughs> we
0: will have to get you some decent thermals or something.
1: <laughs> Actually, this is the first year I've used thermals. I don't know why I never use them. I just used to freeze all winter, but thermals <laughs> are definitely a good invention.
0: <laughs> Excellent. Um, tell me about your background. Where did you grow up and um, what did you study?
1: So background-wise, um, I, I was born in Kenya um, back in 91, which seems like for a lot of people it's not that long ago, but for me at 30 seems quite a long, uh, long time ago. Um, yes, yeah, so I was born in a city called, it was a town then, basically a city now called Mombasa, and um, uh, that's at the coast of Kenya, and we lived in that area for 12 years, um, so like the culture there is quite um, uh, it's quite Middle Eastern and uh, there are influence in from the Arabs, so a lot of spices, such good cooking in that um, part of Kenya. And then we moved to uh, the country well, which are what I call the countryside, so western Kenya, a town called Kiricho, which is where most of the tea from Kenya comes to the UK. I uh, comes from that part and then lived there for a year and a half. Then lived in Kisumu, which is another city right by Lake Victoria, again, rest in Kenya for another year and a half. And then dad got a job in the UK to work with the NHS in 2005. And then we followed him in 2006 and have lived here, luckily in the south, <laughs> since 2006. So I've lived in Surrey, Hampshire, Kent, and uh, Sussex. So yeah, I've been quite lucky to live where. The weather's not as bad as it is up north,
0: or as cold as <laughs> Quite, you wouldn't fare too well up in Scotland or something.
1: <laughs> no, definitely not.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, so, how, how did you get involved in agriculture? Where, where did that all begin?
1: So, I would say my early memories of any contacted animals was probably, uh, when I was about 11. I remember getting my first dog. Uh, I remember I called him Rocky. And uh, yeah, so that's the first time I sort of had, a, had an animal that I looked after myself. I think we had cats when I was a kid, but I, I don't like cats. So I didn't have anything to do with it. So um, yeah, I remember having Rocky when I was about 11. And then I had two rabbits called Jack and Jill. We had a few chickens as well and did some small holding with veg and tomatoes, which we used to take to the local market every Sunday. And then after that, I remember going to my uncle's place in uh, in the capital city of Kenya called Nairobi, and he used to have pigs. And I remember going around uh, the hotels with my auntie on the back of uh, uh, I think it was uh, a Hilux would like I would put a like, black topauling on the on the back to get all the leftover food, come and sort it, put it in a two hundred liter oil drum, and then cook it with with sort of way to give to the pigs, and Weirdly enough, I'd go back to the house and I wouldn't get changed. I'd just sit there and I liked the smell, mm-hmm. the mixture of the leftover food cooked with the pig food as well as the pig excrement for some reason. Apparently, I liked that smell. So that was my first sort of encounter of farming, I should say, or pig farming. Yeah. And then when I moved I wanted to do vet medicine after, after doing my GCSEs, went to do A-levels. And then it dawned on me how much work I had to do. And I would say I was quite lazy when it came to studying. I'd leave everything to the last minute. And I remember at one point I had 11 resets because I just, I didn't get the grades. So I had to keep redoing exams. And then, yeah, sorry. when it dawned on me that I wasn't being realistic, I decided to do uh, an animal-based a degree at special College. Mm-hmm. But then I needed to do some work experience on a farm because I had no idea on how to, so what happens on a, on a farm in the UK. So I did a week's work experience back in 2010 November, um, on the farm that I'm on now. And on the Friday, I was asked what I was doing on Monday. I said nothing because I was only doing weekend work at the hospital near where my parents live. And I got offered a job, so I, I started off doing Monday to Thursday on the farm having Friday off and then weekends on the at, at the hospital. The farm wasn't happy with me having Fridays off because we said, why are you just sitting around as a 19-year-old? So I started doing my Friday and then ended up quitting the job at the hospital and doing farming full-time. And I think I did six months straight initially. Um, and then after my well, first year working here, I went to uni, still did weekends and holidays. And then, yeah, so I've not stopped working on farms since then really about actually about from a year and a half when i i sort of i fell out of love of farming in 2017 and went to work in the feed industry so still do with farming i'm uh, making animal feed but then in 2018 farming called again and uh i'm, ba- I'm back at it now and i don't think i'll leave it again
0: ace oh fantastic and so pigs Well, obviously um you've just recalled the story or when when, when you're in Kenya and with your relations and going around rearing them and uh, selling them but obviously your your pig farming in the UK now I mean you must enjoy working with them
1: yes it's really fun and I think it's the fact that pigs are quite they've got a lot of character like I know other animals have character too but pigs are they're almost arrogant sometimes. Like they know their strength. They know they're fairly intelligent. Let's say compared to a sheep. And like whenever you see them walking around in the field or in a pen, it's as if they know this. And I like the fact that they always, that they always challenge us so every day with pigs. You can expect either one day you've got a outside, you've got a broken fence, or you've got broken water pipe or they've chewed something or they've broken out. So it's quite good having that challenge every day.
0: Definitely. And I mean what motivates you?
1: Um ooh, motivation. I'm I'd say myself a lot of the times I'm quite I'm quite self-motivated. Um like even going to gym mm. uh, when I used to go often, I prefer going to the gym on my own because I know when I go in, I set myself a goal and I go do it. Like last, no, no, so 2020, I remember doing a, a challenge in June with, um, with a few colleagues. So we had to run a mile every day and just add on with the dates. So it June, June the 1st, did one mile, second, two miles. And I remember on the 26th, I ran a marathon on my own. I'd never run a marathon before. Um, I woke up, I think at about eight o'clock, it was my day off and lounged around in the house had some pasta, two o'clock, I just ran out the door, 50 miles, I came back to the house, had something greeny and then carried on. And I think I'm quite lucky in that if I set myself to do something, I'll just do it. Um, above for myself, I'd say my family, um, uh, my girlfriend and a lot of my peers, I um, uh, give me motivation, seeing how well people are doing. I sort of ask for advice, and that gives you that push to keep going.
0: Definitely. Oh, I'm sure a lot of people could uh, take a leaf from your book, Flavian, that's for sure, because uh, just seeing all the wonderful things that you're doing in feed and farming just mean, you know, um, you're very inspirational. I know a lot of people sort of look to, up to you.
1: Oh, wow. <laughs> you're
0: called inspiration, no? <laughs> Oh, well, you know, it's um, <laughs> it, it, there, there are lots, you, you know, when, when you've got a, a, a profile like yours, I think you're obviously in the public domain a lot of the time, and so um, people will will look to you and I think self-motivation is a great um, asset to have Diver- let's just talk about diversity in agriculture do you, you know ov- obviously um, your black black skin um, and you're, you know you're from, from a different um, part of the world you've come over here you've been over here 15 years, but have you found there have been any barriers in into agriculture because of your background
1: um. I would say, uh, personally, I've not, had, I've not had any barriers. Like I said, mm-hmm. I'm back on, um, that I started on. And the, um, uh, the farmer here, so the dad, on the farm, you've got the dad, the, the son uh, work on the farm, and then you've got the mother, the daughter, and the daughter-in-law work at the farm shop. And they welcomed me in 2010 when I first started here. I knew nothing. Like if it was me employing 19 year old me back then, I wouldn't have put up with me because I like, sometimes I was a hindrance. And then to let, to then have me back 12 years on um, sort of by uh, uh, giving that opportunity to work with the pigs and um, uh, push the pork product in the shop. Mm. I think it's amazing. So if I was to encourage anyone from my background or Kenyan or any other non-white background, I'd say farmers probably be some of the most genuine, helpful, friendliest people I've met in this country. But someone has to be willing to work, willing to learn and be hard working. That said, because we live in a world where duality exists, that said, there are a minority out there that are narrow-minded, they are blinkered, they are primitive. They are backward and still want to live in a, in a world where everything is deemed as, oh, I live in the UK, so everything has to be white um, because that's not the world we live in now. No. And I think in agriculture, we bang on about diversity. We've got diverse machinery. We've got diverse genetics. We've got diverse plants. Like, you never buy a, like a, a bag of seeds for your, uh, for your fields that's not mixed sort of um a mixed variety in there and yet when it comes to people we just want it to be i uh, even say monoculture we just want it to be one type of person like in 2022 we're still clapping for ourselves for having women in farming mm-hmm. why are we that as an achievement they shouldn't be mm. we're talking about having people that are non-white in farming people that um gay or lesbian in farming, we shouldn't be tapping for ourselves because all these people are humans. It's not like you're getting a a tree to come and farm. It's another human being. Mm -hmm. So whatever their background, we should just let people in with different ideas to farm. Um, But as a whole, for me, farming has made me who I am now. So I can't fault the British farming industry or the farmers I've come into contact with since 2010. I can't fault them.
0: Oh, that's wonderful to hear, Flavian, because and it's beautifully put how you uh, describe that as well. Because I I mean, you know, coming through the Young Farmers Organization, I, I'm not from a farming background myself, but it was the Young Farmers Organization that sort of got me um hooked on agriculture and agricultural communications. And, um, but, you know, uh, look, looking at um, everybody's background there, uh, you know, um, I mean, sexuality wise, it's not as obvious, but obviously, you know, in terms of skin colour or um, ethnic background, generally it was always white British male. There was a few girls, but it was mainly white British male. And actually now, like you say, it it, it is becoming a lot more, dynamic, diverse and welcoming and it's so wonderful to hear um, from in your own words that that is is the case because it's having the appetite um, to want to be involved in agriculture and and forge that career is the most important thing isn't it?
1: Yeah definitely and I think uh, the whole thing about yes agriculture could be put down sometimes for not having people from different backgrounds but then also the people from different backgrounds, do they want to do agriculture? Because if I've moved from Kenya to come to the UK, I've moved from the countryside, let's say in Kenya doing small holding or subsistence farming, and then now move to the UK. I want to go live in London or live in a city because I've grown up thinking that farming is for people that live in the countryside, then I can't be forced to get into farming. So like there's a bit of a um, a bit of a give and take there. Um, But I think us in the farming industry, what we can control is giving people opportunity to come into it. Whether they want to or not, that's up to them. But we need to put that option out there for people.
0: Definitely, definitely. And so obviously... You in your spare time you love to cook, and you you've already given a nod to the obviously your Ken Kenyan upbringing and the and the spices and the uh, uh, exotic um flavors that you have probably been exposed to from a young age. I mean, you know what 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 inspires you, and, and what do you like to cook?
1: Um, what inspires me to cook? I would say hunger. Hunger yeah. is a big
0: thing. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I start having sort of a meal, what I want to eat, and then I just get in the kitchen and do something. But yeah other than that, say again, people that I communicate with on the food foodie platform, as much as I hate that word, um, I get inspiration from them. Like there's people on there that I've never met before. And when I look at what they're cooking and all sorts of different sort of styles of cooking, like people that make their own pasta from scratch. And all those things, that for me is an inspiration. Um, and then I would say, I bring it back to family, uh, growing up, sort of seeing mum and dad cooking, like my dad would just get into the kitchen and cook something so simple, and yet it tastes so good. And I've always liked that, where I like foods sometimes that aren't complicated. You just get in the kitchen, a few ingredients and a few spices, and you come up with an amazing meal. Most of the time at low cost, so you don't have to spend that much money, really. But of late, I've got a uh, an obsession with chicken wings. And Wednesday-
0: <laughs> I've seen that. Yeah, was it Wednesday Wings?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Wings Wednesday. Yep. So um, this week was my sixty fourth flavor. So I've done it since uh October October twenty twenty. I've done it. So since so yeah that is definitely if there is food obsessions that's one of them
0: (laughs) and so what's your favorite flavor to fit with chicken wings
1: oh um the favorite flavor i've done would be a japanese one it's called karaage which is essentially um deep fried wings with like a, a a hot sauce and honestly even talking about it now, my mouth is <laughs> watering. Really and the way that I made the sauce the first time is um, my girlfriend and I had gone to, to a Japanese restaurant in Brighton. And we had some, we had some karaage squid. And I tried to look online for their sauce recipe and I couldn't find it anywhere. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go off what I could taste and just come up with something. And she tried it actually it's like that actually tastes like what well, it tastes like in the restaurant so I did it a second time with friends and everyone liked it so that is definitely my my number one That's Amazing. Um, I've done a few do uh, weird ones I did chocolate and chili wings that was interesting I did bacon and brie wings uh I've done a lot of fruit ones blueberry blackberry yeah so i just Think of something probably on a Friday, sort sort the ingredients out on the weekend, get the wings out of the freezer Monday, marinate Tuesday night, and then Wednesday they get cooked.
0: Amazing. And what do you, do you just have them on their own? Uh,
1: so it depends what flavour they are. So like if I make one that's like, like when I did the um, the bacon and brie ones, I think I had them with mash because it's sort of, so me that like this week I did ancho chili wings and I did it with uh, uh, Brussels sprout coleslaw and some wedges. So it just depends what it is. But sometimes if I've been busy, I'll make just the wings and post the wings and then eat it or whatever because I know for me, like that's the main bit, the wings. I and mean, then anything else I eat, it, it doesn't really matter.
0: Yeah definitely definitely oh no it sounds amazing um and I mean are they quick no fuss things to to cook and make or um have you got any other sort of suggestions of things that you enjoy cooking that is quick and no fuss
1: yes I'd say wings are quite quick and no fuss because you haven't like you don't have to marinate overnight like I do Like, you don't have to have extravagant marinades like sometimes I do and also they're quite Wings are quite cheap. So even if you're buying from a farm shop for £5 a kilo, and if you can eat a kilo of wings on your own, fair play, well, I can because I, just, I like eating. But <laughs> yeah, a lot of people, a kilo of wings is probably about 12 or 13 wings in there, decent-sized wings. If you've got something on the side, you can at least have three or four wings and, and you'll be fine for a meal. Yeah. So uh, I'd say wings is up there as a, as a quick, quick no-fast meal. But others, I like doing pasta. You can't go wrong with pasta. Pasta dishes. Uh, like I can come in for an hour's lunch and I can easily come up with a, a pasta dish with the sauce made from scratch within half an hour. Mm. Because I think with pasta, if you've got dried pasta, obviously because if you're making your own, it'll take a bit longer. But I would say dried pasta, um, onions or shallots, uh, tomatoes, uh, some frozen veg, maybe um, even if you got like prawns or something, even leftover chicken, let's say from a Sunday roast. Mm. Also, um, uh, a chicken breast sliced up, double cream or single cream. Um, some uh, tomato sauce, a few herbs and spices, you're in. Yep. Cheese, obviously. Yeah,
0: oh, definitely. And the kids love cheese as well.
1: <laughs> Star fries, are another one? stuff as I yeah. uh, to have and in the winter like at the moment I think uh slow slow cooked meals are the one like get a slow cooker chuck stuff in the morning and just leave it things like oxtail um ox cheek pig cheeks so cheap and yet the flavors in that like for me as a big farmer'll I'll take pig cheek for bacon any daily. I know that's probably controversial, but if I was asked to either have pig cheek for the rest of my life or bacon, i would choose pig cheek. Uh, yeah, I'm amazing.
0: Because.
1: Yeah. How about you? What what no fast meals you, would you go for?
0: Uh so for for me, it, it is pasta is a big thing in our household. And it, it I mean, you know, you can make a meal from scratch in five or ten minutes, can't you? Um mm-hmm. dead easy. And then things that the kid, it's always things really that the kids enjoy. So chicken fajitas is a quick, easy one. The kids like to have everything like and make things up at the moment. They're two and four. So for me, things like that, where you've obviously got your pepper, your onion and tomato, um, and then your chicken. And again, um, often if you're time poor, like I am a lot of the time, you can buy the frozen strips of chicken and, um, that's really good. Um, or using frozen veg as well. Because like you say, you then only use what you need. Um, so there's no food yeah. waste either. Um, so thing, things like that. Yeah, good wholesome food is what I like to cook. And and like you, I, I'm a huge fan of slow cooking. I've, we're quite fortunate here. We've got an ever-hot cooker. So we've got a hot oven and a, and a slow cooker in the bottom. Yeah. So we can one of the things I like to do on a Sunday morning is put a roasting joint in the bottom and just leave it there all day, especially with the pork because we, we rear our own pigs as well. So having a joint of pork in the bottom oven all day, and then um, yeah. just being able to pull that out and have that with roast potatoes and, and veg, seasonal veg with a bit of gravy and um, some Yorkshire puddings just for good measure yeah. really is, is, is quite cool. It's quite tasty. Um so yeah, but Flavian, how can people follow you? Um, you're obviously very active on social media. Can you tell us your handles and where people can find out more info on you?
1: Yeah, um, I'm probably a bit too active. I need to. I need to relax a little bit. I reckon. Um, but uh, I would say Instagram is uh, the Kenyan pig farmer and Flavian cooks, and then on Twitter is Kenyan pig farmer. I wanted it to be the same as Instagram, but you're not allowed that many characters. Mm. And then I've recently started TikTok, Then not ask me why, and that's the Kenyan pig farmer. So again, just a fun thing just to show people about pig farming because I don't think we, as, as UK pig farmers or farmers in general, we don't tell the public who are our customers. We don't tell them how good we are enough. And I think that is one thing in the future especially with everything going on that's one thing that's going to work in our favor we just need to tell our story a bit better
0: yeah definitely I couldn't agree more brilliant I'm now going to talk about some time-saving hacks that all of the listeners at home can try I am a huge advocate of buying British and supporting independent meat producers. However, many parents tell me that they simply can't afford to buy locally produced meat. But have you thought about stretching a meal so it lasts that little bit longer? Take a roast chicken, for example, roast the chicken on a Sunday for lunch and then strip the rest of the meat off the carcass for a meal the next day. Last week, I did exactly this. We had a decent sized chicken from the butchers, which we ate the breast meat off on Sunday with roast potatoes and greens. And then on Monday, I used the leftover meat on the carcass and had a chicken satay curry with mini corn and Brussels sprouts. I threw the meat, satay sauce, corn and chopped Brussels sprouts into a pot and left to simmer all day in the slow cooker. I served it with naan and rice. Another idea for leftover chicken is to make a pie. It's really quick and simple and putting the leftover chicken in a pie dish with some frozen peas and then pour over a can of cream of chicken soup and then cover with some ready-rolled shortcrust purple pa- shortcrust pastry for about 30 minutes in the oven until brown. And then you can either serve it with some frozen veg, maybe broccoli or just some baked beans. <laughs> we are definitely in the clean plate club when we have these meals. How does that sound, Flavian?
1: Yeah, that sounds right up my street. That's stuff I do. And I think uh another thing you could do with a roast chicken is make stock with the with the carcass. Um I'm just chuck some veg in there and just boil it and then you've got free stock, you haven't got to spend one pound fifty to buy a sachet of stock another day. Um and I think that um the comment you made there about the um uh, clean plate club, I think a lot of that needs to be encouraged because uh, for me growing up, I was always told you eat your food, you finish it, you don't just leave it or I don't know give it to the dog or cat. you just you get food on the plate and you eat it and that probably got me used to having two or three plates. So yeah, you definitely need to minimize food waste to try and help help the environment.
0: Definitely. and in season right now, we're talking March asparagus and um, the ground will start to warm up and delicious asparagus will be in season to enjoy I've got some asparagus crowns in my garden and once you've planted them they will take a few years to mature but then you can start to enjoy the fruits of your labour I love to cook asparagus in a stir fry or with some fish covered in butter you can often buy asparagus frozen which means the goodness is locked in and you only use the amount of asparagus you need at once. Do you use asparagus in your cooking, Flavian?
1: I love asparagus. Mm. And another one, asparagus in pasta is Mm. something else. I did a tomato, uh, cherry tomato and asparagus pasta once. So good. Oh, yeah. yeah. Thinking about it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. When it's only got a short growing window, I mean, it, it is nice to be able to buy it frozen all year round. I mean, I mean, sadly, you can obviously get it in the supermarket all year round, but generally it's been flown in from Peru or wherever. And I'm, I'm actually a big fan of eating within the seasons or if you can buy it frozen and it's produced relatively locally, um, then you can obviously enjoy it and you only use what you need.
1: Yes, I've got that with um uh, with strawberries and I remember I don't eat strawberries that aren't British. And in the summer, I think it's probably borders on on a condition, I reckon, because I eat strawberries by the panic <laughs> because I'm only there for that few those few months. So when it comes to summer, I gorge on strawberries and I enjoy it because I it's a time of the year I look forward to mm. and If we go back to seasonal eating, maybe even our bodies will be more in tandem with with nature. Who knows?
0: Because the whole
1: thing of eating, I don't know, strawberries in December or, like you say, having... um, I can't think of a fruit now that's not in season. But yeah, eating foods that aren't in season, there must be something there. I don't have any evidence, but there must be something there that could, could show that if we were to be more in tandem with the seasons like the animals are we might be healthier i don't know
0: yeah well i mean it, it is definitely a way of improving our impact on climate change and if you know we've got thousands and thousands of acres across the country of apple orchards and pears and things like that and obviously these types of fruits can freeze really easily as well so obviously when they're in season enjoy them but i think um in this day and age we live in a in a world where we don't really um store our food anymore we just buy it as and when we take it when it takes our fancy and obviously that that has a huge impact on on climate change um but whereas if we were to shop less and store our food and then enjoy it when it is in season or have meals in the freezer ready so that we can enjoy them at a later date then surely that's going to be better for the environment
1: yeah, yes. My mum freezes, um, our mum freezes blackberries. She freezes coriander that she grows in the garden. And yes. when you use it, it's, it's perfectly fine. If it's frozen straight away, mm. as soon as you pick it, freeze it, it's fine. Um, yeah, and I think that should definitely be more of a thing.
0: Definitely, definitely. Okay, that's all we've got time for today. Don't forget to tune into the next episode of the Countryside Kitchen Meet on the first of each month you can subscribe on all of the major podcast streaming platforms thank you so much for joining me Flavian it's been incredible chatting to you and keep up the amazing work I'm sure we'll see you on the tv or in the media again soon remember the name you've heard him here first thank you bye Flavian bye everyone